Watching Podcast, hosted by the Dudley Brothers. I am your host, the indescribable, indefinite, marvelous Mike Dudley. Followed, as always, by my co-host and younger brother, MD3 Marcus Dudley, checking in on you. What's going on out there in podcast land and podcast world? Thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. So how are you, my brother? What's been going on with you? Oh, man, it's just been working, 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 going through the 4th of July, going through the holiday, just, we've been busy, man. It's, uh, yeah. it, I gotta admit, it has not been a great time for watching movies for me, but I've tried my best to keep up, so I got a few things we can talk about. Okay, well, you know, I've been, uh, my, my, the lovely Angie, who you guys heard on the previous podcast, is moving down to Tallahassee, so she'll be joining us. We've been house hunting and stuff like that, so I've been really, really busy myself. And uh, yeah, so it's been a little bit difficult for movies, but the show must go on. So Michael, this is why everybody tunes in. This is what everybody always wants to know. The million dollar question. What you been watching, my guy? Oh man, of course I've been watching Battlestar Galactica. Keeping up on that one. Keeping going on that. Uh, How many episodes and seasons are there in the new one? There are four seasons and they run, depending on the season, somewhere between 12 and 20 episodes. Okay. Uh, so, you know, it, they got more funding than others, obviously, but, uh, yeah, yeah. uh, I was never really sure. Cause I know, I know some people watch it religiously and it was on air. I feel like for a long time. But... Oh yeah. It was on sci-fi for a long, well, it was on for a long time because it got canceled and then came back and then they sort of did away with it and, and did like mini episodes, like a, like a, you know, short season or whatever. And then would come back to it a year later and finish the season. So it went on for, I want to say, like six or seven years, but it's only four seasons. So it's a little bit of Futurama? like a little Yes, bit. yeah, 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 yeah. Like, got okay. canceled, came back on a different channel, came back on, you know, different writers. Yo, Lucifer is another show like that. Angie watched Lucifer a lot, so I've caught a good amount of the... Well, not a good amount, but I've caught a handful of episodes. That's like a cult favorite, one of those same situations. It was on... NBC and then it got canceled there and the Netflix picked right, it up went to Netflix. and Netflix was like oh we'll give you one. no went to didn't it go to Hulu just for a second no nah, I think it was either way it went to right. Netflix it ended up there and they're like oh we'll give you one more season to kind of wrap it up and then they left it open ended and the fans were like how about one more season right. Netflix is like okay for real now <laughs> right 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 it's a which show that interesting could. crossover Trisha Helfer is yeah. in both Battlestar Galactica and Lucifer yeah she's so, good in it too uh, gorgeous woman but also really really talented like yeah. she she is a totally capable actress and i would probably cast her in maybe not everything but she would be a strong contender for most of the things that i would want to do yeah i think all the chicks on that show seem pretty cool too i know um kate sackoff kate sackoff yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. seems really really cool every interview i've ever seen with anyone it really anybody on that show always seems really cool like, really embraces the the dork and the geek side of everything. So, my type of people. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, they know that, like, this is a meal ticket at every Comic-Con and, you know, every convention for oh, a yeah. long time. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, I, she's actually talked about how, like, she never, she never expected to have a career beyond that kind of thing. And now, like, she's doing cons and getting, you know, brought up on panels and stuff. And, like, every time it's like, so in Battlestar Galactica <laughs> in season four, episode two, when you were talking to Hilo and then you said, meh, meh, meh. <laughs> Yeah. She's like, great, great career selection. I mean, you, <laughs> right. you fucking turds for the rest of my life. <laughs> Yeah. But appreciative, you know? She's like, wow, I can't believe that you had that much dedication to, like, 
literally break down that one episode and then like travel and like that's the question you want to ask yeah, cool like cool. i i'm down yeah no that's awesome so yeah so a little Battlestar galactica what else you been watching my bro Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Recently watched the Highlander movies, the most, the two most recent Highlander movies. Oh, nice. The one, okay. So, post-Highlander 1 and 2, The Quickening? Oh, no. This is going beyond uh, Highlander 3, uh, which had Mario Van Peebles in it. This is, like, after all of this stuff. Shout out to Mario Van Peebles. <laughs> Dude, he plays an immortal sorcerer whose shape changes, like Shang Tsung. It's great. If you have not seen this movie, you will dig this. He just low-key. He was a director for a long oh, time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. actor. Shout yeah. out to Mario Van Peebles. Underrated performance behind and behind the camera and on that's camera. Right. Shout that's out right. to Mario Van Peebles. You get your credit. That's right. Yeah. We see what you're what doing. What was the, uh, the Infinite Soldier was one of them? Like... When he started doing oh, some uh, Solo. Yeah, no, nah, there was a couple of them he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Either yeah. way, yeah. But anyways, yeah, Highlander movies. Yeah. Uh, uh, That's what, Endgame and what's the other one? Endgame and then, it's so it's Highlander, quote unquote, or uh, colon, Endgame, and then Highlander, colon, The Source. Highlander, and, Endgame ran parallel, it was like the... the the series finale of the TV show, pretty much? Yes, Or kind of yes. like ran alongside yes. with it? So they had the Highlander movie that followed um, Colin McCloud, uh, Christopher Lambert, for like three three or four movies, I forget. Uh, but then they had the series starring Adrian Paul that starred his great-great-great-great-grand-cousin, I guess, uh, so it's of the same clan, but he was born like 150 years later after Duncan McLeod, right? Uh, or Colin McLeod. Uh, and so there was a series that ran on, I want to say it was, it was Fox, wasn't it? Or USA or TNT or one of the like basic cable shows, but it was, it just pushed the line of being PG 13 without actually like showing like full nipples and blood and stuff like that. But like they really walked the line and it was fantabulously, gloriously, awfully great. Yeah. I remember you were a big fan of that show. I mean, I'm a big fan of anything Highlander, but anyway, so that movie follows them meeting up and they have to fight against their common enemy of Jacob Kell, who is another clan like, long-distant clan member of theirs who has basically decided that he is going to just kill every immortal he comes across regardless of interaction or history or like the whole story was based on like oh well i can't kill you because we one time met up in 1695 and you said a thing and i love you but we can't i can't i don't want to take your head and he has none of that so like they there's a scene where they mention each highlander's kill count and I think Duncan is at like 300 and something. Colin is at like barely over 400. And then Jacob Kell is at like 998 or something oh, like Lord. that. So he's like the most immortal. And it's it's basically just a summary of... of it, it's the grand finale of the entire like, I think, eight or nine uh, season run of, of the Highlander show. Uh, which is great. Now, Highlander the Source is a big, muddled, what-the-fuck science fiction, like, they kind of had a, a different script, and then somebody came along and was like, can we turn this into a Highlander thing? And they were like, yeah, why not? Yeah, sure. So it's all about magic and immortals reaching this glowing portal that is the source of all their immortality. And oh, my gosh. There's this, like, 
really pale, like seven foot tall warrior that's called the Guardian, and it's supposedly he's been locked away for like since the dawn of time, and yet he's making like television references from the seventies. So go figure that shit out. Oh man. Um, yeah. One of them I would kind of recommend if you're into it. The next one, I'd just be like, if you want to get really stoned and just laugh your ass off, yes, go for that. I take it you're talking about Highlander the Source. Yes, yes, Oh yes. my god, it's yeah, that great. sounds glorious. That sounds glorious. Because I actually watched a lot of the, the TV show with you back in the day. Uh -huh. Like, so much so that I knew the theme song off the top of my head. I mean, it's literally just the Queen, the queen yeah, from, yeah. from the movie, though. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't know it was a movie. I just knew right. it from the show. I, right. But, like, in kindergarten... Like, my best friend said, I remember this vividly. Like, we were all in, like, we would play action, we'd play spies and everything like that. And he'd be like, we, had, we need a theme song. And I remember having to sing that song <laughs> before we went into battle as spies or whatever. And I did it way too often. But it was like, it was like the hype music for us as kindergartners. So, yeah, I remember that vividly. And Seth was like, yeah, hit me with a song. And I, yeah, shout out to Seth Rico, buddy. But, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. So, I, I remember watching the show kind of off and on. Not really getting it, but I thought the concept was really cool. Of like, so, wait. They're like immortal, and you can only kill them by cutting off the head. But when you cut yes. off the head, you get their powers. Like yes. that's cool. That's cool. So yeah, yeah. So Highlander, how many? What's the rating for Endgame? Uh, for Highlander Endgame, I'm gonna give it uh, 31 quickenings. Ooh. And for Highlander: The Source, I'm gonna give it two quickenings. It's a big difference. It's a big difference. Yeah, it's a big difference. I mean, but. Again, if you're into that, if you want a movie that's so, if you want a movie that's so bad, it's kind of entertaining and a mind fuck to watch. Like it's it's literally so bad, you're just like, wait, how does this make sense again? Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. it sounds like it. Like they just were like, can we just shoehorn the Highlander title right, in here? Because yeah. we're gonna sell zero copies without something without right, some right, kind of right. brand recognition. Right. We've already got Adrian Paul attached, so, so you might as well. Yeah. You want to revamp that role? We've already cleared the license because guess what? It cost us eight bucks to do. That's right. We've already got the sets. It's yeah. all green screen <laughs> and bad green screen. Oh my gosh. It's great. Dude, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what else have you been watching, my guy? Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Oh, I did. I recently rewatched uh, American Werewolf in Paris because, of course, I rewatched re American Werewolf in London recently, so I had to do a comparison. Again, it just doesn't stack up. It's it's a horrible CGI slock schlock fest, and there's again, you can kind of feel that they tied in this other script that didn't really have anything to do with it because the first third of the movie is all about these guys going on this like extreme world tour where they're like bungee jumping off the Eiffel Tower yeah. and like trying to sleep with as many girls as possible. It's this very, very like proto 2000s, you know. Like, Wasn't it an MTV movie? Uh, you know, we're going to do research on that. Yeah, we'll get back. I don't advertising it a lot. I know Joe's Apartment was the first MTV movie. No, I, I don't think that this one was a, an, an MTV movie. I think that maybe. The demographic was just. <laughs> yes, it was, it was very much the same overlap. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Julie Delpley is great because, I mean, it's Julie Who Delpley. Who's that? Uh, the chick from Before Sunrise. Uh, oh, oh, gotcha, the, gotcha, gotcha. Very, very French chick. You would know her. Yeah. Uh, uh. Yeah, I remember there was a scene where, like, he went, the guy went bungee jumping and then he hit his head on the Eiffel Tower and, like, right. under the hot, it was right. like, that right. would be Spoiler dead. alert, Julie Delpley is trying to kill herself by throwing herself off the Eiffel Tower for 
non-spoiler reasons, but you could probably figure it out. There's a werewolf involved. There is a werewolf involved. Uh, and he notices her from afar, like his friends have broken up, broken into the Eiffel Tower to go do this like extreme bungee jump contest thing. And as she's jumping, he's like, no! And he jumps and then they're like, he's not attached! And so his friends are trying to scramble to attach his bungee rope while he's diving. It's a whole, it's a whole mess. It's a whole thing. And then the movie delves into werewolves, so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is a very 90s movie. Like, the soundtrack is pinpoint at a certain, like, like... Butthole Surfers and... Bush and... Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, I remember watching that, but I remember, like, not being very wowed by it. And I remember, like, uh, my dad, I think we rented it, and he's like, I'm curious what they did with it or something. And uh, he was like, this is shit. <laughs> it's kind of like The Howling or something like that, where The Howling is not, like, a phenomenal movie, but it has a really special place for a lot of people. Sure, sure. You know? But, um, yeah, I remember watching that... Uh, in Paris, the American world from Paris, and I was like, it was all right, but I was too young to appreciate, like, that we're rebels and we're cool, but, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it to me, it falls in the, in the horrible sin of horror movies to where it's not so great that it's memorable, but it's not so bad that it's memorable. It's just sort of meh. That's the worst. You're right. That is one of the worst sins of a movie is just being straight. Mediocre. But especially a horror movie. Like, like, a horror movie should either, like, shock or delight you one way or the other like you should be so horrified that like yo that movie really messed me up or like that movie was great right like when he brought the hammer down and her head exploded and went to a million pieces and it looked like a like a cantaloupe like it was great like it should be that and the movie is none of those things yeah or if it's just like some flimsy premise with like loose like jump scares behind it yeah like, i'm in the bathroom by myself there's ominous mirror or there's ominous music playing i'm gonna close this mirror and i hope that there's no sp- <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like you close the mirror and then all of a sudden the th- it's like okay right. like, anytime you see somebody in a horror movie looking into a mirror that swings one way or the other you can rest assured that they're gonna move the mirror and there's gonna be something behind them and they're gonna go <gasps> yeah. and then they're gonna move the mirror or turn around and it's gonna be gone like yeah. it's just it's one of those jump scare tropes where it's like all right, we've definitely seen this before. Yeah. Or then they started to go through that phase where they would do that, and they'd be like, they close it. Oh, no one is behind me. And then somebody jumps out of the shower and right, and you're like, right, oh, I right, didn't see right, that coming. Right, right, like, right, right. Okay, like way to subvert my expectations. Right. That was a big eye roll you couldn't see. Oh, look at you, the new M Night Shyamalan. What yeah. a twist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, American Werewolf. Uh, uh, let's see. Oh, speaking. Staying in, in, in the horror genre, yeah. I've uh, been watching a lot of the HBO Tales from the Crypt, which is fantastic. Is the entire old series on HBO Max? It's not on HBO Max. I think it's on either Prime or one of the... Because I've been watching it on DVD. One of my, oh, okay. Shout out to Glenn. He has it on, on DVD, and we've been burning through the series. But uh, yeah, it's great. Every episode is like this really great B movie. Like it's again, it's so bad or so like cheesy that it's good, but it has awesome stars in it. Like there was one with Terry Hatcher. There was one with, um, Oh God. Uh, yeah. I remember it had a lot of cameo performance cause it became like a thing for people to do. It was mm-hmm. like, Oh, you got to tell someone. It's like, tw- like kind of how twilight zone was back in the day, how it had a yes, lot of big stars. Yes. Cause it's, 
for those who don't know, Tales from the Crypt is like an anthology series. It's very Twilight Zone, but with a very horror spin on it. But it's all based on the EC comics. Like literally, they yeah. they wrote they they wrote their scripts from the old EC comics, Tales from the Crypt, and uh, uh, Tales from uh, Tales for for Suspense. Uh, nice. Yeah, like all the 1950s uh, Crypt Keeper comics, uh, which is great because the Crypt Keeper is this great animatronic created by Stan Winston, and he's spewing out horrible great puns, which I love. Yeah. Uh, he's got a very memorable memorable voice. Uh, yeah, yeah, just highly, highly entertaining. It's Every single episode is a keeper. Hey, I see what you did there. Hey. Now, our, our Uncle Tony... <laughs> I used to, we used to crash at uh, his place a lot during the yeah. summers, and he was a big Tales from the Crypt guy. He was always coming out there, and him and his son, Brandon, our cousin, always sit there watching Tales from the Crypt and whatever, so, yeah, I saw a good amount of those, but it's good that you're getting back into that, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, I think it took me a long time to come back around to it and really appreciate it for what it was. Like, not that I ever was, hated it or whatever, it just wasn't my particular, like, flavor of Kool-Aid, you know? Like, but now being the B-movie fan that I am, like, coming back around and seeing this and, and seeing it for what it is, it's kind of genius. Like, it's it's really cheesy plot lines and bad, you know, gore and violence. And, and it it's like a, it's like the softest R you've, R rating you've ever seen, yeah. you know? Like, it, it, it it's, it's never completely horrifying. It's just entertaining. Sounds good to me, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see, there was a movie way back in the day, I think it was like 2000 and, uh, I don't know, maybe like 8 or 9. It was called Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horrors. And I, it's, I have not seen this, but I'm interested. It's completely, it's exactly what you think. Ultimately, Snoop Dogg is the Crypt Keeper. And there's like three or four tales that he runs through within like a 90 minute premise. Like each 10 to 15 minutes. So he just starts telling an anthology of all yeah, different yeah. stories. And he's like, okay. oh, and this person ends up in hell or whatever. The interesting part is, is you would think that Snoop Dogg would be like, oh, he's like, he was the one who spearheaded this whole project. It wasn't. I, I'm such a dork. I watched the behind the scene features on this back in the day. And the writer and like the director were like, no, when we wrote it, it was always written as Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horrors. Like we wanted him to be a part of it. And so they pitched it to him and I think he took it and ran with it a little bit. But when they did it, they always had it in their mind, which I thought was interesting instead of Snoop Dogg, just like, oh, I'm an executive producer and direct and whatever. They pitch it to him as like, hey, dude, we always wrote this with you in mind, being like the hood crypt keeper. And he's like, cool he's like, shit. I love it. I love it. That's and he great. just did it. So. Yeah, dog, I'm down. Let's do yeah, that. I think it's called Let's like Snoop shit. Dogg's Hood of Horrors or something like that. But it's again, it's really corny and it's really cheap budget. But shit, if I'm you're down. a fan of Tales from I'll the Crypt, you should check it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. What else we got going on? Oh, I have been watching some stuff myself. Yeah, what you been watching, I, brother? I know. That's the other million dollar question. Um, I watched everything, everywhere, all at once again with the lovely Angie. It just came out on DVD, which if you have not seen that movie, take time, go buy it on DVD and, uh, support it because it's an incredible movie. I think it's A24, which is the studio that mm -hmm. released it. I think it's one of their highest gross. I think their highest grossing movie now. I, I would not be surprised yeah. at that at all. Yeah. yeah. It's had legs like a son of a gun, but, um, I watched that on DVD again with Angie and it was her first time seeing it and. And I cried my eyes out again, man. Like I just can't. really, yeah, dude. That movie hits you in a real special place, dude. Man. It's, it's like, okay, you know, I, I talk about this movie a lot, like The Soloist. Yeah. How every time I see that movie, I'm transported somewhere, mm. and it's not like I, I saw, I've cried at that movie before, The Soloist, but like every time I watch it, I'm taken somewhere, 
And it doesn't mean like, oh, I watch it all the time. But every time I see it, I'm reminded like, I fucking love this movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, Blow yeah. is the same way too. Every time I sit down and watch Blow. Wait, you're talking about the movie? Yeah, the movie. Okay. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. But, yeah. But also, shout out to Cocaine. Yeah, yeah. Some great stories are built off of that stuff. Off mic. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, that's a movie, like, Blow is another one that I watch, and every time I sit down and watch it, I'm like, oh man, this is the shit. And I think everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once is going to be one of those pictures. Yeah. Where every time I sit down, it's like I'm going to enjoy it on a level. Because I've seen it twice now, and like the second time, I was still so moved by it. And I was just like, golly, this is everything I wanted it to be, and then some. And just sharing it like with Angie in that moment. like, and I think it's the, the husband, Wayman. Like, he just gets to me. He gets to me every time, man. Like his pitch on everything and like the self-actualization, which Michelle Yeoh has, like it's, it's incredible. So yeah, 10 out of 10, 11s out of 11s, whatever you want to do me, portals, multiverses, nothing How many bagels. everything bagels do you get it? Oh uh, man, only one. Oh. Only one. Oh, that's a deep cut, Because it already has everything that's on it. That's a deep cut, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I have, I have, I've seen it one time, but I have yet to see it again. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Just based on like now that I know what I know about the movie and and really looking at it from an analytical standpoint and sort of like how they go from scene to scene and like weave the emotional journey that they do like I'm like I'm already I'm already down for the emotional journey like I know that that's coming so like now I'm I'm more interested to see like how exactly the sausage is made and how they like how do they weave this tapestry of just randomness like this this patchwork quilt that somehow feels so comfortable around me yeah i mean <laughs> i can't wait to dive into the special features mostly i watched yeah. i watched the deleted scenes and they were good but um it seemed like they had a lot of fun making the movie obviously that's they cut you know to that sure. to make it look that way but it seemed like everyone was in a good time oh, yeah they're never going to include in the special features like, where everybody's like at. fuck you bring me my coffee you son of a bitch yeah but it seemed like they're having a good time though and um I really want to dive in on that one because that seems like, like I said, it's built for me. Yeah. And I want to just know everything about it. But, Agreed. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's dope though, man. I'm a big fan of that. And uh, can't wait to watch it several, several, several hundred more times. <laughs> uh, other than that, what else did I see? Oh, uh, the Bob's Burger movie, which is already streaming on Hulu and HBO Max. How'd it go? Man, I enjoyed it, dude. Like, I'm not a huge Bob's Burgers fan, but like, I genuinely enjoyed it. Good. I genuinely did. It was uh, it's kind of like the Simpsons movie, and it's just like two or three good episodes tied together. Yeah, yeah. But like, it was good. I'm yeah. again, it's a it's a musical, so it opens up on on some good numbers and stuff like that. And it's not overly done though. It's only like maybe four songs, I think maybe, and one of them kind of runs in and out. But it's not a tremendous amount of it. But there's just enough in there where you can call it a musical. Okay. But um, yeah, it was good though. Even Angie, uh, she went with me when I was in Maryland and. She was like, I don't give a fuck about no Bob's Burgers. <laughs> but, uh, At least she's honest. No, it's just fine. But she uh, she got a couple chuckles out there. So, I mean, I think that's the ultimate test is if somebody with very little expectations sure. are just kind of going just to keep me company to, you know, facilitate my bullshit pretty much. But, um, yeah, it was kind of cool. So she enjoyed it. I liked it. Um, really fun. I give it um, a two full sesame seed bun. Two full? Two full sesame okay. seed bun. You know, maybe there's maybe you got some sliders, maybe there's room for more, but you know, you get you get all the sesame seeds you could want on the bun in this movie. That's okay. my review of it. Good, good deal. So just yeah. enough sesame seeds. Yeah, pretty much. Um, other than that, man, 
into a little bit of a sub sub segment of what you've been playing. Um, oh, we're doing that now. Yeah, we'll do a little bit of it. Ladies and gentlemen, have Tell we them. got news for you? The long-standing saga is finally done. Two consoles, two games. How many years? Over 15 years worth of playing? X-Men Legends is finally and once and for all completed. Yes, sir. We busted its ass over the last couple days. We uh, finally locked in. We were at the final act. And we were sitting up late and we were like, let's go ahead and just bust Apocalypse's ass. And we did it. We did. So. It finally happened. So for those of you that are not familiar, just brief summary. I'm not going to go in-depth into it. But we started the game years ago when it first came out. Went through it. It was great. Didn't unlock everything. And then it sort of fell by the wayside. And we just sort of left it where it was. Years later, we come back to it. And we are like... This is the game. We're going to unlock everything. We're going to get all the hidden characters. We're going to get a 100% completion. We get three-fourths of the way wait, through wait, hang on, hang on. Before you go into that, it also took me... The game was on my want list. I go retro video game right. shopping a lot. It was on my want list for a solid, what, a few months at least. Solid half like a year Almost maybe? a year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Half a year or more, probably, of me just going regularly. And I found one copy, and I was like, yo, it's it. So then we start the project, and we were getting, as Michael right. said, we're playing, we get about three-fourths of the way through, and what happens? Video game crashes. Yep. And we're like, well, we just got a bad copy of the game. So now we have to go back on the hunt to go find a new copy of the video game. Which I do. <laughs> which Marcus does, because he's way more dedicated to this than I am, admittedly. We play through it, and we get about a quarter of the way through, and crash again. And we're like, how the heck? So anyway... We figure out what the bug is, find out what it is, and Marcus just decides he's going to just fix through the bug and play up till where we last left off. He finally lets me join in after yep. selfishly hogging it to himself. No, nah, you, you <laughs> I was a little bit, because you weren't on my pace. It's like when a movie comes out and everyone's like, well, I could go Saturday, I could go Sunday. <laughs> I'm like, fuck it, I'm going now. Uh, let me know when you see I it. I have we'll tickets talk. right now. Who's yeah. coming with me? Yeah. Yeah. But no, so I, yeah, I chipped away to get back to where we were, and I was just like, "Fuck that!" Because I wasn't giving up. It was something as simple; it was an inventory problem. You have to they the developers of the right. game screwed. We up. won't bore you. Yeah, but so I had to go sell a bunch of inventory stuff in order to get it working. But I didn't know that until I started the new file and got up to where we were. So I could have just started the old file and then just sold a bunch of stuff and resume play there. But we didn't. So either <laughs> way. either way, so I pretty much played the game a full time twice now. So this is the ongoing saga. Michael and I have been chipping away at it since since we've gotten back to that point, just slowly but surely. Uh, who's the team we got? The, the main team is... Iron Man. Iron Man, first off. First and foremost. And then we got Iceman, because Iceman. he is the stone-cold pillar of our team. I mean, he does two things, but damn it, he does them so well. Then we got Sunfire, who once again... I just need you to radiate people and burn things. And guess what he does very, very well? Those two things. And then we got the man of the hour. Mr. Gambit himself. Mr. Remy LeBeau. Mr. Remy LeBeau. Yes, sir. And all he does is charge shit and then rain on cards with people. That's about it. So, yeah. Uh, so, we finally did it. Got up to where we were. Got the dream team where we wanted them. And busted motherfucking apocalypse's ass. You're about to hear us high five live on camera. Bow. Done. 
So I know we had brought that game up a few times, so I wanted to close it. So the it. saga's done. It's done, son. We will never talk about it again. We busted his ass. Until Marvel Ultimate Alliance, in which case we're going to start that probably pretty soon. Which, by the way, <laughs> this is how dumb I man. I get my mind on something. So I do have a copy of Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which uh-huh. is pretty much the same game. It's like a dungeon crawler, but instead of just X-Men, you get the, the Marvel Universe. Right. Now there's two copies of this game, and I know I'm boring some of y'all, and some people's... Stick with us. We're yeah. going to come around. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a copy of the game that includes Doctor Doom, but it's the limited version, and it's really expensive, and you had to... And I, I paid for it. I don't usually like to buy things online because I like to support actual brick-and-mortar stores, but I couldn't find it anywhere, and it was getting to the point, and I happened to check uh, DK Oldies one day, and it was there, and I was like, fuck. If I don't buy it now, it's not getting here. It's going to be who knows how long. So I spent way too much money on that, and I got the Doctor Doom version, and because that's all who I want to play as is Doctor Doom. <laughs> you get to pick four characters, and Michael and I started, and he's like, "Who do you want?" And I'm like, "I don't care who the other three. Are. I, I don't care. I don't care. Give me Doctor Doom. I'll run around choking. People. I want Victor Von want Doom. Doom done. I don't care. You can switch around, but I want to play as Doctor Doom. Too bad." <laughs> Go buy your own copy. That's right. Go we get can your, link up. Go get your own Xbox 360. <laughs> <laughs> we can sit there. You can play Doctor Doom all you want. I'm get on my off. level. <laughs> I'm not coming off. I work too hard for this shit, man. I asked for so precious little. And I spent way too much money on this fucking nonsense. <laughs> if you guys only knew how much time is dedicated to my dumbass in and out of these shops. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, anyways, that's enough of that. Oh, man. So that's uh, what you've been playing. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what you've been playing. We do have, like, every freaking console ever, but anyways, off of that. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I sat down and watched. How'd you feel about that, my friend? Very conflicted. Uh, I feel that they kind of mess with the, the canon. sacred timeline? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so just... To make a very short point of it, because I, I know we keep saying we're going to make short points and then we go on tangents, but hey, it's a true what you've been watching, so true welcome to it. WBW. <laughs> I got a little close to the mic there, sorry. That's all right. Uh, so, yeah, spoiler alert. I'm just, we're, there's no way to talk about it without spoiling things. So, Obi-Wan Kenobi goes on this whole side quest to rescue a very young Leia Organa. And then we're supposed to just expect that, like, the very first time that Leia Organa sends a message to Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi is just, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. You've, my father fought with you in the Clone Wars. At no point is she just like, hey, and also remember that side adventure we had where, like, you kept me hostage for, like, kind of hostage for, like, three days to a week, depending on, and then we had this whole encounter with Darth Vader, and like, remember that? Like, we had a real bonding issue. Also, I'm gonna need your help now. Like, yeah, they just, they're, they're, they're playing around in continuity that they don't need to play around in. Like, I don't necessarily want, I don't care how the things I like got made. I just like the things I like. Just leave them alone. It's fine. Like, you don't have to give me a backstory on every Star Wars character ever. Like, I, it doesn't matter to me. I just... It, they, they're, I'm, oh, I, I'm okay with them being cool, and we're done with that. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I politely disagree. I, I do agree with you on the sense of the Leia thing. That was weird that she's like, you, you, fought with, you fought with my father in the Clone Wars. And it's like, we did 
all these adventures. Right. So I'll forgive that. Just to get to the premise of the show, I'm fine with that. But, but again, that's it's forgiving a, big, a, a lot. Yeah, it is. It is. And even then, whatever. I mean, she's not wrong when she said that. Like, you did fight with but... I don't know. Maybe she. Maybe she doesn't know who. I don't. Know, whatever. I'm not even gonna. But try if to you were gonna ask for help from somebody, would you be like, "Hey, so I know that you and my dad used to go to the same frat, and you guys had a good times. And remember that time that he was on the boat? Or would you just be like, "Hey, remember that time that you showed up like Santa and made my Christmas yeah. and like were distributing toys? Like that was really <laughs> no, cool. I got By you. the way, I need your help. No, I understand your qualm with it. Like I, I do. I'm saying, but to get. To get to my point, I'm gonna have to forgive that. Mm-hmm. So like whatever. So let's just say that that's forgiven. Whatever. My issue was was two things. I really liked the show was graphic, man. Mm-hmm. Like when him and Darth Vader, like Darth Vader fucking hates this guy. He dumped over a thing of a molten like rock or whatever, and then like chokes Obi Wan Kenobi and drags him through the coals like right. slow as shit. And I was like, yo, this is graphic. Oh yeah. And I dug it. Like though that dude was out for blood. The finale, which, by the way, we're spoiling. I don't care at this point. It's been out for enough weeks. The it's f- on streaming. You can watch the whole thing right now. Yeah. The uh, the finale where they showed down, in my opinion, was the best Jedi duel I've seen on film. I mean, some people say Yoda Dooku, but I was kind of not really... Yoda flipping around like that kind of yes. turned me off a yeah. little bit. Yeah, yeah. I do love the fact that like um, when Darth Vader was fighting... Uh, especially a uh, third sister or whatever, Reva, I think her name was. Reva. Reva, yeah. Her his moves were so minimal that one yes. he is a, yes. he is a robot and stuff like that, but it's almost like he was so locked in on the force that like I know where you're gonna go with this, I know you're gonna swipe there. So it would just be one little step to the right, one little step to the left, and it was like exhausting her, and it was just like that to me was like that's sure. the Darth Vader yeah. that I would be afraid of. Well, I mean. If you think about it logically, if you're if you're a master sword fighter, are you going to waste time, you know, Darth mauling your way around and flipping over and behind your back and flippy flippy and spinny spinny and that, or are you just going to be like, here's where their attack is, nope, move it out of the way. Yeah. Here's where their attack is, nope, move it out of the way. Oh, great! Now you've opened yourself up to my attack, force choke, get yeah. away from me. You know, like, it makes sense to me. Like, yeah. why would you? It never sat right with me the, the 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 fact that these are supposed to be Jedi Knights and they're basically like classically sword trained, and yet they're wasting time spinning lightsabers behind their back and over their head and and throwing them like it never made sense to me. If you're a master swordsman, it's all about minimal movement and and I I'm going to make you exert yourself so that I can. Make you vulnerable, and then whoops, psh, yeah, I win. Yeah, no, I I agree with you on that, and I I think that is cool that they do that. I think the Darth Maul thing was like that's his style, and they're just like, hey, who we're gonna get Ray Park? Let him do Ray Park shit. Sure, I'm with it. And honestly, the Duel of the Fates in Episode One is the only other one that I would consider, besides the the Darth Vader coming through the hallway, of like. That was one of the first lightsaber fights that I was like, oh shit, this is what's possible? Sure. Because let's be real. The choreography in the original three is not that great. It's a lot of like, I'm hitting your sword as opposed to I'm attacking my opponent. Sure. You know, as a kid, when you're like, oh, let's sword fight. All you do is hit each other's sword. Right. You don't understand the concept of like, no, I'm trying to kill the person holding the sword. Right. Right. And so it's a lot of that. I hear you on that. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is that. I would say that, that being said, there is much more emotionality in the fights of the original trilogy. Agreed. 
Like, like there is much more at stake and they, they seem to fight with a little bit more, um, if not competence, at least like vision and, and, uh, content in terms of like, it, it feels like they're really going for what they want. Yeah, no, I agree. Also, it's just Hidden Fortress. Right. Right. <laughs> like, look, at, look at the movie Hidden Fortress and then watch Star Wars and be like, oh, he took a lot. <laughs> which is fine. Which is fine. fine. Yeah. But, um, but no, I, I dug that aspect of like the final lightsaber, uh, the, the duel between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader when they're on whatever abandoned planet that is. Those motherfuckers were going at it. Yeah. Like they're throwing entire mountains shot. of force yeah, and yeah, like... Yeah. It, it, there's a beautiful it. play of, of light and dark to where like everything's sort of blue lit, so it, it's it's very it's very monochromatic, and then you just have the 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 flashes of the lightsabers going against each other, and like that's the only sort of like light source in the entire image, and it's it's beautifully shot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I I dug it for those reasons. Like I actually really enjoyed that show. It's one I would watch again. Uh, beside you know, Mandalorian, I like a lot. Sure. Boba Fett, I honestly, I saw like one, two, three, and then six. And I could probably go back and finish that. I'm not. See, I, I would, I would say, there, I would say that Mandalorian has a much more singular storyline in terms of like it's very easy to follow, and and they they do a much better job of endearing you to the protagonist yeah. than they do in in pretty much anything else I've seen as far as the Star Wars lines. Um, like Mandalorian or, or a, a book of Boba Fett, just it never really decided what kind of show it wanted to no, be. There's didn't. there's a whole bunch of different like, well, maybe he he does this, but also there's this angle and there's this angle and whatever. And Obi Wan just sort of told a story that I didn't really think needed to be told. And I hear you. It, it as much as I like seeing it and as well shot as it is, I just I never really. Not that I didn't give a damn. It was just I kept asking why the whole time. You know, just yeah. like why are we seeing this? Like, what is the point? Like, we all know where this goes. We all know how it's supposed to be. And quite frankly, it's been done better with less. So eh, I I politely disagree, but like I, I do get where you're coming from. It's yeah. a little bit like the solo movie, but yes. Also, yes. me getting it. I like. Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, so another... Oh, he's the best the part. Yeah, 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 he's really good. So I did like the show overall. I'm going to nitpick it a little bit. There's there's two aspects that, more than anything, drove me up the wall. They did the one thing I cannot stand when you introduce a small child into like a TV show or movies or something like that, is they made her annoying as fuck. Yes, yes. Like, the first True Grit, not the one with um, uh, Jeff, whatever his name is, Bridges. Jeff Bridges, yeah. The one before that, the girl... With uh, uh, John Wayne. Yeah, yeah, the, with the little girl in that, yeah. is annoying as fuck. Yes, yes. It's like the kid, like uh, in The Day of the Earth Stood Still with Keanu Reeves. They just made Jaden Smith annoying as shit in that movie. And they did <laughs> yeah. the same thing with Leia in this. Like this pouty little brat that's like, oh, I'm adventurous and I'm this and that. And it's like, you've almost gotten yourself and me killed like eight times. Right. At right. what point are you going to maybe listen? Like, I get the initial like, hey, who are you really kind of thing in her like taking off. But after he saves her ass, it's like, maybe you should listen. And, like, his whole character arc of, like, oh, well, you know, she's strong and she's this. And it's, like, bullshit. Like, she's almost gotten you killed by Darth Vader, like, four times, dude. So that, and it's not even like I, I dislike Leia, but I just can't stand when they just write children just annoying right. as hell. Right, right. And that, that they, got to me really 
really bad. There, there's a fine line between you can make a precocious, adventurous child and not have them fall into the trope of like doing stupid kid shit. Like, yeah. well, it calls for a chase scene, so I have to run away from you now. Or yeah. I'm smart enough to look into your eyes and be like, I trust you, Jedi Knight. But then talking to some random person, they're like, come with me, little girl. Just get in my van. And you're like, okay, I trust you. Like, no. Like, like you, you can't have it both yeah, ways. She was way too smart for her own good. And then, and then way too dumb. dumb for her own good. And whatever little girl they got, I'm not trying to rip on her or anything like that, but I don't know if she's ever run at full speed in her life before. <laughs> but they had, a, they had like eight shots of her running. At like, <laughs> yeah, like, and her little legs were kicking. And it was kind of funny to me because kids are funny. I don't know. Just watching her try to like, oh, and it was like supposed to be this, this tent scene or whatever. But her running just takes me directly out. Just directly out. <laughs> so yeah. Um, the only other issue I really had with the show, and it's not the actress, it's not anything like that, but I thought Third Sister was just really poorly written. Reba? I, I agree, yeah. She was way too headstrong to make, to like, why are you even on this team if you've been this like cocksured and headstrong this whole time of like, oh, I'm going to do it my way and I'm going to do this and I'm going to interrogate people and I'm badass just to be badass and it's just like she was just terribly written yeah and like yeah. I, I don't I don't even know the actress well enough to think know if it was a her thing I just know strictly by the script it was like this isn't good and then at the end like on the final episode she's just like she gets somehow pieces it together that Luke is Leia's brother and connected to Obi-Wan Kenobi too through the, like through the the, the, the the thinnest of premises the yeah. smallest message from from Leia's father they said something about the Bail, boy Bail Organa yeah yeah and then she goes off to Tatooine to kill Luke. And right, it's like, right. wait, what? Right, 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 right. Like, what just happened? She, How did we get she, here? She's, a, she's a, a, a very much a, well, we just need her because. Like, we have to get her eventually to Luke. And so here's how we do that. Just whether it makes sense or not. Again, nothing against the actress. I think she's adequate. You know, I, I, I think she was working. It, it, it's hard to turn chicken shit into chicken salad you know right, what i mean right so it she did the best that she could i just think it was a really badly written character like her motivations are all over the place and like spoiler alert like her whole plan was just to get close to vader so that she could stab him and exact her revenge but she's been close to him so many other times and like when she chooses to strike makes no, no sense, sense because he was so vulnerable so many multiple other times within the series where it was like, well, why didn't you do it then? Or why not then? Or like, he very clearly was on the down and outs and you didn't have to help him then. And you did like, why not just be like, ha ha snap. Got you. Yeah. Or like go to Mustafar when he's in the back to tank. Right. And he right, doesn't have right, his robot right, legs attached right, to him. Right. Right. Just, it, it's the thinnest of premise and it, it, it feels very forced because we need her to, be a redeemable villain, but also we want her to have her story arc and have her moment to shine. And she gets neither by yeah. just by by force of of the script. Yeah, and they're on some planet, and she gets stabbed by Vader. Spoiler, which Vader busts her ass quick. Yes, broke her thing in half, slit her one uh, one of her lightsabers, and was like, "All right, let's go." Fucks her up quick, stabs her, and just like gives it back to her, like you ain't shit. Anytime you want to do this, I'll stab you again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which was gangster as hell. And then she finally like finds out this message that 
like Luke is on Tatooine, and then all of a sudden he like gets to the ship and to Tatooine in no time flat. They do a whole episode yeah. where Obi Wan Kenobi's fighting Vader, and on like the last ten minutes he's like, "Oh, I gotta go protect Luke," and then just shows back up right, on Tatooine. Right. Was like, "Wait, how but is everyone just like is that, there that direct was, transport to this place?" That was a big problem throughout the entire series: is people just tend to show up where they need to show up, like regardless of time, distance, whatever, yeah. like. They'll find something out, and then they're immediately in the next scene because they have to be in the next scene. It was like, Sonny Chiba style. Yeah, that's right. It was Sonny Chiba Just, style, Street Fighter style. That's right. But, they already set up the rope that they knew they were going to have to climb because they knew they were going to find the girl in the window, even though they didn't know the girl was in the window. Right. <laughs> or at that place. Yeah. No. Right. It's exactly the same rule. But yeah, I don't know. It was she was fine, but like uh, she was just not that compelling. Yeah, and she was a little bit annoying too. It was just like I don't know what you want, and then I found out what you want, and I was like, all right, cool. She was one of the younglings that Vader was gonna kill, but she escaped. Right, and then it was like, all right, cool. You would think that would make her want to join, like the, the late Jedi, like the right. Jedi. But then the Jedi, so I don't know. So they converted her again because they need her to be a yeah. bad guy. She, she's a, part, she, like that part. I was fine with like that premise of like, oh, I'm actually here to get Vader. But it's like, then why are you so pissed off at everybody else? Like, right. you've already got the rank with Vader. Like, you think you could maybe? And she, the the weird part was, is Vader even said, okay, back off of Obi Wan Kenobi. Like he's mine. Like I want to do this personally. Right. And then it was like. You'll have plenty more opportunities down the road to be like, oh, hey, find me some more Jedi to kill. Like, you'll have. Hey, those look, I found this Jedi on this nice deserted planet over here where there's nobody around. So you should probably come meet me because I need your help. Oh, by the way, stab. Yeah, vengeance complete. But yeah. no, like that. She has to, for some reason, involve every other character in the series for no reason. Yeah. I just, I didn't know what she wanted. And at the end, it just seemed really shoehorned in as well. Like, oh, and now I'm going to go try to kill Luke. But before I do that, I'm going to be redeemed at the same time. Right. It's like, wait, what just happened? I don't know. Well, I'll wait and see. I, I did enjoy the series as a whole. So, well, I'm sure they might revisit it at some point. Again, Ewan McGregor is far and away the best part of that whole series. But it's Ewan McGregor. Like, he's great in everything. So. All right. You want to take a break on that note or? Yeah, uh, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Uh... The pharmacy toy section. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to discuss that. Okay. <laughs> and we are back. We want to thank our sponsor, the pharmacy toy section. Did you forget a toy for a child's birthday that you're already on the way to? <laughs> the pharmacy toy section. <laughs> for all your G.I. Jeff needs. <laughs> Anyway. The off-brand G.I. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. All your Marvy needs. <laughs> Plokemon? <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> anyways, anyways. So it was the 4th of July recently, and I know you typically have some 4th of July films that I you watch do. and pretty I, heavy rotation, right? I do, I do. I Every 4th of July, I do a uh, America-slash-patriotic-themed movie marathon, and uh, this year was no exception. Uh, it mostly just involves me drinking way too much whiskey and then yelling obscenities to my favorite movies. Uh, so, you know, ops normal on that one. I, I watched a couple of them with you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started off uh, this 4th of July with a, a comedy classic that is super patriotic. Team America, World Police. Hell yeah, we did. Yeah. Um, 
don't know. What's your what was your thoughts? Did it? It's it's probably been at least a year since I've seen it. Does it does it hold up? Does it any any new thoughts revelations? I mean, I saw it kind of recently because my friend Justin had never seen it, and so we watched it. Um, but uh, that was a few months ago. But yeah, no, it always holds up, man. It's you know exactly what you're getting. It's so great. Like the way that Matt Stone and Trey Parker like cuss. Oh my! It's, sometimes it's so you're like open up your butt, fucking ears. You just it's, it's so poetic. Yeah, it's, yeah. They they just drop it. Hemingway esque, almost. Yeah, just yeah. the swear words, <laughs> and they just go for it. And it's so raunchy and dumb. But uh, no, I'm a big fan of that movie. The music's awesome. The music is always what gets me. Is the silly songs. Right, right, right. Poor right. Harbor sucks, and I miss you. I miss you. What does he say? I miss you like Michael Bay missed the mark when he made I that movie. I miss you like Cuba Gooding Jr. needed, needed a, bigger a bigger part. part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ron Reed. <laughs> yeah. No, those are some great ones. I mean, it, it. It. I don't know if it stands the test of time in like today's woke culture and sort like it's all racist and ho- like homophobic jokes, but like in a weird way, like I don't know, like. It's very slice of time, like it. It was very much a movie for that time and of that of that moment, and so you kind of have to forgive it just a little bit because they are they're not saying it off the cuff. Like they know what they're doing. Yeah. They're 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 trying to be offensive and they're it's, trying to be. They're also satirizing everything. Like yes, it's so overly yes, satirical yes. On, on dumb lowbrow stuff, but it's bitingly satirical. Yes, like, yes, sardonic even as it were. Like. But I don't think Matt Stone and Trey Parker care. Like, they're kind of like Dave Chappelle, and not very different, but only for this one reason in the sense They're that, all black? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, Dave Chappelle said, like, if you're afraid of getting canceled, you're not funny enough. And, like, I don't think that those guys are worried about cancel culture. Sure, sure. You know but, what I mean? but in the same breath, I don't think that they're making the jokes just to, like, get a reaction. They're not doing the jokes to try to be offensive. Like, uh, I think they are, though, at the same time. At the, if you ever watched the South Park episode, The Tale of Scrody McBooger Balls, which is all about how the catcher in the rye was offensive, and they're like, this is weak, and it's not offensive, and they write a book, but they have Butters write a book, and the, sure. whole, the whole point is like, they wrote it just to be offensive and just to be crude. Sure, but, but that's for that particular yeah. episode, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not saying that there isn't a bleed over in terms of like their, their comedy stylings, but yeah. in this particular instance, I don't, they were trying to insult people in order to satirize them and to to make it a farce to sort of like the emperor has no clothes kind of thing yeah um but i don't think that they were intentionally doing it in order to be malicious be malicious right right i I don't think so but i don't think that they care if if they do offend somebody sure sure is the biggest thing they're just like yeah i don't care like it's it's not a movie for you then like the one of the running jokes through the whole movie is is they show the the matt damon puppet and it's you know his his only he's very hodor in terms of like matt damon it's the only thing he says and I, I read an interview where they, they were like, so why what's the Matt Damon hate? And they were like, literally, we threw a dart at like a U.S. weekly magazine and it landed on Matt Damon. So he got the ire. Like that was that's that, that was, that was yeah. the, the only thrust of that joke is we thought it would be funny if Matt Damon just responded with his own name. Because so. yeah, every time they do an impression, they're like, this is Tim Robbins. <laughs> right, I always say right. the person's name first. Yeah, anyway. But no, I, I like that movie a lot. It, the music to me is the the songs that they do. Is... My two favorite jokes in that movie happens. The very first one happens. It's the opening joke to where 
they pan in and it's it's you know France, fifteen hundred miles from America, whatever. And, yeah. they, and it, it opens up on a little marionette and and it's this very like Judy and Punch like Sacre Blue, blah, 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 oh, baguettes. Yeah. And they pull back and then it's a marionette doing a marionette yeah. show. Yeah. Like to me, that's one of the best visual gags I've ever seen in my life. It's yeah. so great. And then the second is the puppet sex scene because it's just so graphic and just so like. I mean, you could you could see watching this on one of the most depraved Pornhub channels ever, and yet there's no genitalia involved at all. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think my favorite joke is the is the Matrix joke they do because they actually hired Bill Pope, who is the the director of photography for the Matrix, and so they were like, all right, we're gonna pull the puppets in the air and we're gonna freeze time and then we're gonna do the Matrix thing and you're gonna spin the camera around, and they're like, all right, Bill Pope, how do we do that? And he's like. Matt Stone, Trey Parker. I don't know. That was the Matrix. You know, like, there's a whole different team, right. a whole different was, setup. Right, that's, right, right. I was the fight coordinator, not the fucking. Well, he was the director. Of the director, yeah, right, but, right. But he's like, I don't know, man. That's that's a whole. Also, different... we built a multi-million dollar machine in order to shoot that one particular well, yeah, one scene. scene. Like, yeah, we're not. Like, do so, you have a multi-million dollar machine? Yeah. So he's like, so what do we do? And like off camera, above camera, all you see him is just hand switch. Right. And, and the right. puppets go from hand from after that. They just rotate. Yeah, they just rotate lightly. Yeah. That's a really funny joke. Uh, yeah. But the fact that they got Bill Pope to be like, yeah, we're going to do the Matrix thing. You're like, how do we do it? And he's like, yeah, I don't know, dude. <laughs> it's really funny to me. Uh, so what else did you watch, man? Uh, after that, we watched, uh, let's see. Oh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Which. We can talk about yeah, we'll this come back to that We'll one. come back to that one. Another one that I watch every year is either Top Gun or Jaws. And this year I chose Jaws just because it's been probably, I don't know. A year? <laughs> no, probably less that. than that. Eight, six to eight months since I've seen it. Uh, but yeah, it was great. Just, I mean, it takes place over Fourth of July weekend. It's one of my favorite movies. It it stands the test of time. I mean, like, it's, it's a perfect movie. You, you can't go wrong with Jaws. Yeah, it's a really good movie. I mean, if, if you're old enough to want to see anything other than the Minions mo- movie, you can watch that movie and, and be terrified by it and fascinated by it. And it's just, it, literally, I, I think it, it in the in the pantheon of perfect movies, it, it has a golden seat. Yeah. When in terms of perfect movies, I think Jaws, it probably makes the cut. I think it's like Jaws, in my opinion, even though I'm not a huge fan of the next movie, like I like the movie. Again, I've never seen anything bad about it, but like Princess Bride. Yeah, there you it's go. Like, yes, I would it's agree. a freaking perfect movie. It's just like whimsical fairy tale fun. Sure. It's in and out. Like, yeah, it's a really good movie. Jaws is another one that's just perfectly executed. You're like, mm, not a lot of notes. Right, like, right, 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 right. Maybe exactly. like Godfather, I think two over one is kind really? of. Really? I think so. Yeah. Controversy. Yeah, I, I think most people might. Not, if you really think about it, it's not that controversial. It's one of the only sequels that is arguably like. Well, not one of, but definitely a sequel that is arguably better than the first. And the first one's really, really good. See, I don't know. My, it, it, Admittedly, I think that Godfather 2 gets a little bit long-winded. It just, it, it, there, there's, not that there's, not that it, it runs too long, just it, it, it takes too long to get to the point. Does that make sense? Well, so does one. It's just two has a lot more. Yeah, but there's there's a hardcore turn in one where like when when Michael comes out of the bathroom with the gun and like that's the turn of the movie. Yeah, but there's like if you really break it down, like I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, you're you're right though. It is it is long winded. I think one is too. 
one is it's all subtle hand motions and mm-hmm. like what is not said as opposed to what's said. Sure. But two is the same way. It's just longer and more happens. But again, only like eight things happen in Godfather 1. <laughs> in Godfather 2, it's like 12 things happen. And they're doing two stories at once, so it's like... Right, it right, 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 right. I hear you on that, yeah. I, I mean, again, argue, but we're talking about perfect movies. We, we strayed away from the 4th of July. Sure, 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 sure. But yeah, no, that's I think Jaws is up there. You know, maybe like the first Star Wars, even though there's some plot hole things that you just ignore. Well, especially now. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as, as discussed in our previous Obi-Wan Kenobi discussion. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that... Uh, yeah, I think Jaws in in the pantheon of of in, in the in the hall of greatness, like Jaws deserves a very special seat. To me, Iron Man one is on that list too. I, I would agree. Yeah, I would it's... agree. When you talk about movies that change the game, I, I would say that Iron Man one changed the game just as much as Jaws did. I, yeah. I, I would have zero zero qualms about arguing that point. It's just when I mean like perfect movie, like there's no part of Iron Man like again, I've, I've said this before. The point where you suspend your disbelief is like all right. You have me for that. What What are you asking me to suspend my disbelief right. for this movie? Right. And I'll take that ride. So Iron Man, it's like, guys, really good at building anything technological. Okay, right. cool. I'm with you. Outside of that, there's nothing that you can grab onto that movie sweater and pull, and the whole thing unravels. Sure, sure. You there's no I mean? major plot holes in terms of like, yeah, well, like like with Home Alone. Like, why didn't Kevin McAllister just? Call the cops, like be yeah. like, "Hey, they, I got these dudes here, and they're like trapped in my basement, and they're fucked up right now. So yeah. you guys should get here." Yeah, but either way, but yeah, Fourth um, of July movies. Fourth of July movies. <laughs> so we also watched Captain America: The Winter Soldier, which to me is far and away one of the one of the best spy movies, if not one of the best Marvel movies ever made. I fully that agree. Is, that is such a tightly written, well crafted uh, whodunit. Um, and, and of course, then you bring in, you know, Chris Evans as Captain Steve Rogers, and, and you bring in Sebastian Stan as the Winter Soldier, Who crushes which is it. Who one of my it. favorite comic book characters ever. Uh, you know, th- there's that scene where, uh, where Steve goes to see Peggy in the old folks' home. It, like, basically, she's in hospice, and she's all old, and, and, and like she's at the end of her life, and they have this really beautiful, moving moment of, of why he always returned to her and, and like his real love for her. And it, I swear to God, I cannot cry watch that time. scene. Oh, I cry like a little 12 year old girl with a skinned knee. You do it in Civil War, too, though, at that scene, right? Is, is that it? Civil War? Is that. No, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that's Winter Soldier. I thought, but what happened? Because oh, Civil, Civil War, she War. dies. Oh, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. right. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah. But also cry at that one. Yeah, yeah I know. I was going to say, I, I knew it was both of them, I thought. But, right, right. Um, no, I'm with you on that one. I think it's top tier Marvel in the sense of um, it works well. I like the Marvel movies. Like I'm going to use this one as an example. Logan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Logan is a Western that just happens to have a superhero in it, and it works that way. Uh, just like... Captain America Winter Soldier is very much so a political intrigue, spy, espionage, thriller. Yeah, like Day of the Condor yeah, or James Bond or, a, or very much in that vein. Maybe not James Bond, but yeah, there's some elements. But yeah, um, but it, it happens to be one of those movies that's a really good version of right, those. Right, That just also happens to contain superheroes in it. So I think that's when Marvel is at its best. And I, I think that that I is, agree, yeah. is top tier. In my personal opinion, I think... Or um, Captain America and the Winter Soldier is top so, tier. So here's an interesting question. In, in that vein, and I agree with you, I, I think Marvel does best when it tries to make a genre movie 
that just so happens to include a Marvel character. So what do you think are some of the best Marvel movies ever made? The top tier ones? Are we, sure, sure. Are we I mean, in, in no particular order, you know. Yeah, I'd say um, we'll just stick to just MCU, right? Just or Iron we, Man forward. We, we, could, we could also bring in other superhero movies if you need to. Let's, let's stick MCU for now. Okay. Uh, I think... For me, top tier Marvel. I mean, you mentioned Logan. To me, that is that is one of the best yeah, superhero. superhero movies. I mean, it's it's. Well, I guess we could do both. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say superhero movies. I think the best um, adaptations. Sin City is really good. I mean, it it is a comic book on screen. It is hard to argue that. But it's also very much a film noir yeah. in, in in the most modern sense. I mean, yeah. like every single. Every single uh, uh, section of that movie or chapter of that movie deals with you know the femme fatale and the the lowly gumshoe trying to make good yeah. and the, it, and it's it's very much shot in that style. It, it it's almost a hyper realization of that of that genre, which is kind of why it works so well. Yeah, it it is, and it's just, it's really visually interesting. It looks sure. just like the comic book. The dialogue yes. is it's almost too faithful in a weird way. So I think Sin City, if we're just talking about comic book movies, Sin City is really high on the list. Sure, sure. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but The History of Violence that is, is a, a really good comic book movie. movie. Road to Perdition is also a really good comic book movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, other than that, 300's almost there, but not really. It's It has moments. The see, first my, time you see it, I was like, eh, the more I watch it, I'm like, no. The, my problem with 300 is that it's a really, really great, hype reel or music video it is a giant music video and very gay not that that's anything wrong but yeah we talked about that i came twice watching that movie i'm just gonna say (laughs) uh yeah it's almost yeah it's it's so hyper realized and and almost almost to the detriment of it like it doesn't it it it's so faithful that it it can't go anywhere does that make sense a little bit. Like, almost in the sense of, like, oh, I, I loved that movie, but I loved it the first time I read it in the comic book. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Sin City's kind of the same way, too, but it's I had not seen anything like that yet. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, 300 is almost there. 300 is pretty high up there, but I don't think it's top tier. Um, other than that, I think Ryan Reynolds' interpretation of Deadpool is one of the best interpretations, like, right. from comic to screen. It, they got really close to what I was looking for in a Deadpool movie. Right. I can't really ask for too much more than what I, they I gave me. I don't know that the movies themselves would qualify as top tier, but his, his performance in them yeah. is 100% like... He made he made some decisions with Deadpool, because Deadpool in the comics, if you don't read, is almost too zany and has way too many, like, oh, he can do this when he needs to, and then he right. can't. It's, it's too much. So he's like, this is what he can do. We're sticking with it. No faltering. He's just... So there was... I, I like that he did that, and he's just like, this is the Deadpool you're getting. I'm with it. I'm with it. So I, whatever those guys keep doing at Deadpool, just keep doing it. We'll, well keep watching. They, they just signed on for a third one, and apparently Disney's kind of given them... The green light? Oh. Yeah. The green light, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah there, was, there, was a, uh, there was an issue of Deadpool that I read where literally the, the climax of the comic was... He cuts into the pages of the the previous pages of the comic he was in in order to snatch something away, in order to oh the ultimate nullifier wasn't it, it? 
something of that. I, I don't remember exactly. Whatever my guffin it, it was. It was it was very Bill and Ted. Like, well, we just have to remember to steal it away. But literally, they had drawn him cutting into the pages and going back to the previous pages that you had already read, stealing something. But they show it previously. Like, yeah, yeah, when I you first you. read it, they, they show it, him stealing it. So you're like, oh, well, I know... It's this really weird fourth wall breaking characteristic that kind of went too far. It also gives him way too many powers. Right, right. It's so the now God he's, status of he's literally cutting the fabric of reality and time in order to make shit happen. Yeah, but uh, so anyway, yeah, um, that was a long tangent. Sorry, y'all. Um, but yeah, top tier Marvel. Um, I think the top tier in the MCU. I think. My three favorites, I think. I'm going to go Iron Man 1, mm-hmm. I think, is is top-tier Marvel. I'm going to say Captain America in the Winter Soldier. Okay. Um, Thor Ragnarok. Really? Is I think, yeah, that's probably my third favorite. Okay. Because it's Flash Gordon. It knows It's a Flash Gordon movie that happens to have... Sure, I'll buy that. space opera with... Yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And other than that, I'm, I mean, I got to say... Infinity War. On any given day, I could pick Endgame over Infinity War, but I got to give okay. one of them. Maybe Infinity War because I feel like everybody knows how I felt back in the day when, <laughs> when he right. snapped, and it's like, oh, because we all knew that the snap was coming. Any comic book reader knew that Thanos was right, going to snap. Right, right, we right, didn't right. know which half of the people were going to die. Right, right. That was the build up to it. That was that's what kept us as comic book readers. Like, yeah. Did you know he was going to snap? Like, yeah, they wouldn't have picked Thanos if they weren't going to work right, towards the snap. Right, And given right. us six stones this whole time. Like, yeah, of course he's going to snap. Which is why I would edge out Endgame just barely over Infinity War. Because, again, like you said, like, throughout all of Infinity War, I knew that it was going to end with a snap. But it ends so cold-blooded. It does. It, it ends does. so cold-blooded. But I, I much prefer the story of the fallout of what happens after the snap. Like, to me, the, the, the human... The human casualties and the, the, the trauma and, and everybody sort of reeling with survivor's guilt yeah, and, and trying to understand what is my place in this world now that essentially Earth's Mightiest Heroes have failed. Failed, yeah. So, and then it, it goes a little off the rails in terms of the time travel thing. And well, like, yeah. I get it. At that point, they're trying to regain the, the Marvel like romp of it all in terms of like, hey, we got a time travel and adventure story and you guys are going to come for the ride and yeah. you got some jokes and it's going to be great but I really enjoyed the portion of the movie that dealt with the fallout of Infinity War yeah you could Infinity in, in that four slot you could put Infinity War or Endgame in there yeah. it, it could change on any given day and I don't know for five I think except for some spotty CGI I think Black Panther maybe I would I would agree with that they're I think Black Panther. I there, think those there's are the some really hokey CGI in there the that end, sort of takes me out of it. Yeah, but I think story-wise and and dealing importance with cult, of it cultural and issues and and yeah, I mean, and then Michael B. Jordan is just a delicious villain, yeah, like he through is. and through. He is. Um, Maybe Spider-Man: Homecoming. See, yeah, I I think I had more fun with Spider-Man: Homecoming than I did with Black Panther, yeah. but I'm I'm a little bit of a Spider-Man mark, so probably I'm a little bit biased yeah, on yeah. that. Um, but that's the joy of the Marvel movies yeah. is they got something for everybody. Yeah, I think those are top tier for me. You got any any additions, subtractions, anything? Or is that pretty close to your list? Uh, TV shows-wise... Uh, TV shows-wise, I really enjoyed Hawkeye. I know it's yeah, really underrated. Uh, 
Falcon and Winter Soldier to a lesser degree, just because, again, we all knew how it was going to end. We all know that Sam Wilson winds up with the shield. Yeah. So. Two episodes of WandaVision are top tier Marvel. Uh, yes. Two, two particular episodes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, four and five are like ooh, or or you know, five I, and six. Yeah. I, I gotta say, uh, of all five, the Di- of all the Di- yeah, 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 of all the Disney series, I think that I enjoyed WandaVision the most. But I, a lot of that has to do with my love of television and the way it's made and sort of the the aesthetics of it all. Um, Story wise, it kind of falls apart a little bit in the third act, but it's just beautiful. You know, yes, yeah, it's, it's beautiful yeah. in a weird way. Uh, yeah, so. Thanks for our sponsor, Marvel. We appreciate yeah, all your ducats and money that seriously. keeps rolling into our bank account for shilling out for yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, you saw Love and Thunder, though, right? I did see Love and Thunder. What did you think about that one, the new one that just dropped? The Thor 4. Yeah, it was it was really enjoyable. I think it didn't take itself seriously enough. Uh, um, and I mean that in the best way possible. Like It, it, it tries to have fun. But it's kind of like the party guest that like overstayed its welcome just a little bit. Like it's a really good analogy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like like, all right, cool. So like it's you and one other person at the party and they're drunk and passing out. So what do you want to do now? Like, do you want to catch a cab, go to bed? Cause I got shit to do in the morning. You know, right. What do you right. want to do? Um Yeah, you- no, I'm having a good time. Yeah. Like I want to keep hanging out, but for real. You're also not staying at my house tonight. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. No, that's a perfect analogy, actually. It's good. You must have thought of that ahead of time. I've done some research. That's what's up. <laughs> no, I, I dug it, man. I think it was really it was really silly. And I and everybody knows I love me some silly shit. Mm-hmm. But it was also really hard to to take it seriously at times. Yes. Yeah. And like um I mean it's dealing with like Jane Foster. And I'll give Taika Waititi this. He is... Spoiler alert. We're just going to spoiler yeah, alert the fuck out of this. We're not so. going to do a play-by-play. We've done right. that enough for you guys. But, but see the movie. we, we got to be able to talk about it freely. Like. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jane Foster is dying of cancer. And Taika Waititi is really good, like if you've seen Jojo Rabbit, of being silly and funny and also like tugging at the heartstring really yes, quick. That's a really good example. Yeah. yeah and, um, you know, and there's a, a monologue that Thor gives and that she, when they're all... Either way. It's a really really heavy uh, subject matter and they kind of just tackle it with a lot of irreverence which part of me I really enjoyed in the sense because that's kind of my defense mechanism sure. is when shit gets so bad it's like oh let's just be silly and irreverent and and be and not really pay attention to what's going sure, on sure yeah so part of me really understands that that is the theme one of the themes of the movie is living in a world of distractions because that's why I read these comic books it's why I play Gallows a lot of these... humor at, at some point yeah, yeah yeah or just laughing at, at the minute stuff because the the big stuff is way too scary and real. Sure, yeah. And so that's yeah. why I watch a lot of these movies, and it's escapism and not thinking about what's really, you know. So I get some of that. Um, at its heart, I think the movie's a really, a pretty good romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. You can tell it is a romantic comedy at its heart. Like, it really is. Um, but yeah, it's just so damn silly. Like, from the word jump. Yes. Yeah. It kind of is distracting. And part of me misses Thor that was, let's kill him properly this time. And like, yes, yes. Like, that, that, that was kind of one of my main problems with the movie was I, everyone there is so silly and so witty that I really wanted somebody to ground it in the seriousness of the situation. And the only one that does that is 
Gore the God Butcher, the Christian Bale character. Yeah. And he's the villain. And he's so, underutilized, in my opinion. I, I agree. He is far and away. He is swinging for the fences in this one, and he is phenomenal to watch. There's a really creepy scene he does in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Where, yeah he's he, binding everyone with these shows and stuff, which, yeah. Yeah. Uh, his monologue's great. It's him inquiring about everybody, but he already knows all the answers, so he's just kind of fucking with all three of the, the cast members at that and point. He, and he's having fun with it, and he's yeah. like, oh, what a what a glorious revelation. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But, but again, like, all of the heroes are so silly and so wacky and so... Everybody's got the absurdist humor and, and witty comments that I really wanted one of them to be like, no, this is serious. Like, we have to tackle this. And by the way, your girlfriend's dying, so you should probably settle some shit up with her before it's too late. And there was none of that. They they do at the end. But I, I like that scene. Uh, Gore, ultimately, which, by the way, the fact that Eternity is in this movie, Eternity in the Marvel comic books is one of the most powerful beings right. in all of existence. It's a, it's a physical embodiment of all of space. Yeah. So yeah. everything that exists in the universe exists within, within eternity. eternity. Yeah. When the in Infinity uh, the War, the, the comic book, they went to Eternity and the Living Tribunal, who was Judgment and uh, Infinity, in order to turn the Infinity Stones back on. That's how much power he has to nullify the powers of the Infinity right, Stones. Right, right, so, yeah. right. Um, but the fact that he's in the movie, or Eternity, he, she, whatever, it, is in the movie is crazy. And at the end of the movie, why did they did kind of ground it a little bit is um, Thor and Gore have been fighting whatever, and Gore wants to get to Eternity to ask a wish to kill all gods. That's his big mission. Gore and, wants to. Yeah, not Gore wants to. Right. Yeah, yeah. Gore wants to kill all the gods because he feels betrayed by him, which he was. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like personally, yeah, 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 um, yeah. And so I do like it that. Jane, uh, Thor's girlfriend, is over there dying, and instead of getting into this giant fight of like, oh, I must stop you, he pretty much says, hey man, go have your wish. If you want to kill us all that bad, you could you could choose love, and you could bring your daughter back, or you could kill us all. Either way, I don't want to spend it fighting with you, I want to spend it with the person that I love. Yeah, there, there, there if, is if, a... If I am to, this to be my last moment, I don't want to spend it with you. Like, go do what you gotta do, man. Yeah, she, She's dead either way, so... It's it's sort Kinda of this, pretty. it's 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 this weird um, juxtaposition of refusal of nihilism and choice of optimism. You know, like that in, was in, really well said. Yeah, yeah, that was like really he, well said. He, in Gore's whole modus operandi is he wants to kill all the gods because if we're free from gods, then we're free from their influence, from their pettiness, from their whatever, whatever. And they treat gods very much in terms of the, like, very specifically, the Greek gods. Like, they're all jealous. They all, like, derive power from our worship. So if there's no gods, then we're free from their influence and wants and whatever. Like, we're free to make our own destiny kind of thing. Whereas Thor chooses, well, fuck it. I choose love because this is the last moment I might have with my girlfriend who... You know, they have a, a tempestuous relationship yeah. at best. Right. And so he chooses, you know what? I choose love. Uh, uh, I, I, I choose to go be with my, be with somebody who brings me joy rather than acceptance of the nihilist, the, the nihilism, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's strikingly beautiful. That was really well said, man. Um, I really got no notes on that one. <laughs> but you're... Gore's thing is he is really sympathetic. Gore is Christian Bale's character. I'm going to reiterate that for right. those that, so we don't get mixed up. 
Gore uh, apparently tested really high with all the test audiences because they, he was a sympathetic character. His whole thing is like he's on the the cold open is he's on this like desert planet and he's praying to the gods and he's like oh whatever. we pray for rain we pray, we pray for, for rain we pray for right. food we're, we're dying yeah and he um his daughter like he's sitting there holding his daughter and his daughter dies and so he like buries her in this sand apparently his wife had died before that they don't really show that right and then his daughter's dying and so like he's sitting there in this desert with nothing he buries her in sand and rocks and he's in the middle of nowhere thinking like well this is it I'm next. And I guess he's on the cusp of death, and he looks up, and the god that he has this little idol around his neck, right. this little necklace on, is just sitting there eating fruit. And he goes to him like, hey man, like, what was all that about? Right. I'm so glad to have met you. We have prayed so hard for you to, to, to save us. And yeah. the god's just like, there's no afterlife. Yeah, there Fuck is. you. <laughs> he says there is no eternal reward, and he laughs at him. And so he's like, oh, okay. He picks up a sword that is super powerful and right. kills him in a blow. Which... It's sort of it's sort of a Deus ex machina in terms of the thing that they must defeat already exists, and so he just happens to find it, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. It, it just happens to be right there for right, right. plot armor purposes. But <laughs> even in the comic books, he found it with relative ease. Right, right. So yeah, it is yeah. But um, so I he was sympathetic in that sense of he was personally betrayed and laughed and mocked. By the same thing that he devoted his entire existence to, and so he's pretty pissed off about it. Yeah, and he's just like if, and at the end when he's when he's deciding between this wish of who must live, it's like maybe the greater good is like maybe bringing my daughter back is insanely selfish, but maybe since I've met these rat bastards, maybe the greater <laughs> good is to fulfill my wish. Right, like there right. is some kind of like he maybe not be wrong in all this. It it's. I, I agree with most of that. My main problem is he, his whole plan is he's going to fight the gods, and in order to fight the gods, he's going to turn to cosmic power, which is kind of the gods themselves. It's this weird, like, well, this god failed me, so I'm going to turn into this god, which is not, I don't know, it, I, I it doesn't really follow through logically for me in terms of like, well, if this god failed me, then obviously this god is the answer. I think it was more of a... In the comics, it is it is Noel. He is it's the living embodiment of all the symbiotes. It's Noel is in the black... Is in the black sword. Right. The all black. And this one is mostly just a super powerful sword that kind of has some demons or something that whispers. It's whisper. like a shadow sword. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It allows him to move through shadows more, and It's more magic than it is gods, I right, think. But right, whatever. Right. It's... it's it's the MacGuffin he needs to achieve <laughs> right, his purpose. Right, you know, right. If it was a magic right, pistol, whatever, it doesn't really yeah. matter. Uh, and that's kind of my problem with the movie is that it's very, like, just because. Like, well, why do we need to involve Val- Valkyrie in this? Well, just because. She was in the last movie, so we got to involve Valkyrie. Why? Yeah, she doesn't really do anything. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really feel like you could have removed her from the entire movie and had Jane Foster... Who, by the way, somehow summons the power of Thor, and now she's wielding Molnir, and and so now which she's is fine, which is great. She, Again, she it, it's it's a it's a comic book tie-in, but you could have removed Valkyrie and just had the Jane Foster Thor pretty much say everything that she was saying anyway, and I mean, it would have made more sense because at least then it then at least it's it's a romantic comedy in terms of it's just Thor and his ex girlfriend plus his own 
misgivings and jealousy about how the relationship ended and and so it it would allow more focus on that you know i agree in in the sense that valkyrie is is king now right and she she calls herself king so um it was kind of underutilized i want to see what it's like for her to step in after odin yeah you know and it was right. just kind of like hey and you kind of get a small sense of like hey there's she's, it feels like she's just running around putting out fires as opposed to truly leading Mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. curious to see what that was like for her, but it doesn't really play out that way. She just leaves her people and was like, I'm going with Thor. Bow. Right. And I was like, okay. Well, I, I get it because Asgard became under attack by Gore the God Butcher, so I, I kind of get it, but it was But even still, like, it's 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 shoestringing her into the plot just yeah. because Taika Waititi likes working with Tessa Thompson for some reason, so... Yeah, yeah. You know, which is great, but she doesn't... She didn't add anything to the plot yeah. for me. But I don't realistically. It's, it's no fault of Tessa Thompson's. No, I love she's Valkyrie. she's a delight to watch and she's fun. But from a writer's standpoint, yeah, just she doesn't really. There, the everything that she said could have just as easily been said by one of the other characters, and it wouldn't change the movie one iota. Yeah, the only thing that was kind of enjoyable about her story, and it was subtle, is the fact that um, she was third wheel. And you could kind of see him look longingly at, at what Thor and Jane had, and kind of like, I want that. And I think that they made. I think Taika Waititi has said, and Tessa Thompson has said that Valkyrie is gay or bisexual. Yeah, they they they. It's don't, re, it's really hinted. I think, but he did say it like yeah. in a tw- like in Twitter or behind the scenes interview. Well, was like, even within the context of the movie, they don't outright say it, but they they heavily intimate it because yeah. like there's that scene where she. Like caresses the 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 Greek muse's cheek, like "Hey, come call me later," and then like just dives off the platform. Yeah, yeah. So there, it's heavily it, it it's heavily implied, but they don't outright say like. By the way, I love bumping boxes. <laughs> the technical term, right? Chlamydia is a soup. I have seen it on the grocery store shelves. Anyway, no, I do not care if you are a doctor. Um, anyways, doggy style. Yeah, <laughs> But no, it's, I did kind of like the fact that she was kind of looking at it like, hey, I, I want that too. you know. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of good. But um, And then Korg was there. Which is, Being again, Korg. always a delight. But yeah, he's along, he's along for the ride. That's, that's Thor's homeboy. Yeah. So. It's the Jay and Silent Bob of the movie, basically. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't really add anything. Or the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern or whatever. Whatever. The, yeah, it's the R2-D2-C-3PO. Like, he doesn't really add anything. He's just there to sort of be the Greek chorus in terms of, like, this is how we should feel about this now, yeah? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which, hey, man, Taika Waititi seems to be having fun. But, again, overall, I did like it. I would give it um, six power chords. Six power chords. Six power chords. I think all you need is three, but <laughs> yeah, I get six. They could play smoke on the water. O three five, O three, and six five. It's <laughs> a little tablature joke for y'all out there. Uh, for all you music yeah, nerds, for real. Uh, yeah, I'd say about six out of nine power chords. Okay, something like that. Okay, in that area. Okay, it's fun. It's a lot of fun to watch, but it, it was kind of like, oh, oh, that's what we're doing. I'll give it a solid four. Solid four Asgardian chance. I'm with it. I'm with it. It's not quite making it into Valhalla, but Odin's like, "Hey, bud, I see you. You're almost I there. You. you, you got it. You get to hang out in the lobby. That's right. That's right. You That's get right. to hang out in the lobby. That's yeah. right. No, it's a lot of fun though. And um, the stinger at the end was Hercules. 
um, which is spoilers. You know, uh, <laughs> again, we're going to spoil the movie if you haven't seen it. But um, yeah, the the stinger at the end was Hercules, which is really interesting. Um, at one point, Thor throws a lightning bolt through Zeus, played by Russell Crowe, in a quote unquote. Italian. It's like a shitty Italian accent, but it's hey, supposed- Baba the Boopy, I tell you what it is. Uh, my mama, she making you some meatballs. Yeah, uh, it's supposed to be Greek, but it's just like, yeah, it's really bad. And I don't think hey, Taika Waititi cares. This, this a thing you do here, Tor. Uh, what you want to do, eh? Yeah, we get it. We get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Imagine everything in that, but worse. Um, so yeah, at one point, like Thor throws a lightning bolt through him and yes. like pseudo kills him. Yes. And then at the end. Hercules comes in and it's Zeus going like, "Now Thor must die for doing this to me." They don't believe they don't they don't the people don't like gods anymore. They like these superheroes, so they will like the gods again when they see one of us take down one of their beloved right. superheroes. When, when they one see of their Avengers, when, when they see their heroes fall from the sky, yeah. yeah. And so Hercules shows up. Yes, father. Yeah. <laughs> but Hercules, if you don't know, is the most physically strong, like. Uh, Superhero in the in the uh, comic book universe, right? Like not like he doesn't have the most powers, but like in terms of physical strength, right. what can he lift or not lift? Right, he's the guy. He's stronger than Hulk. He's stronger than Thor. He's stronger than I mean, just his power level is he held omega off, level. He held off two like an incursion or something like that. Like two planets were about to collide and two realities. And he and, separated yeah, them he's, physically. Yeah, he's yeah. he's that dude. Which I I guess Hulk. Can technically be stronger, but it's all dependent on his rage and right. what iteration you're getting. But he's like consistently like that dude. So it'll be interesting to see how they play out with this. Um, if they do, though, I don't mind a little bit of silliness, but I want to see him kick the shit out of each other if there's a fifth Thor movie. You're talking about two big old beefy <laughs> men just <laughs> bumping chests. Yeah. Just big old meaty man sweat just slapping, slapping chests. Yes, sir. That's what I want to see. Somebody you can keep your five-star matches. So, <laughs> get better soon, Diggy. Uh, but yeah, some of that Bill Goldberg. Uh, Goldberg! Yeah, I don't want it to be silly. I want those two to kick the shit out of each other. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I want to see a knockdown, drag-out, literal fight between the gods. Yeah. So if we're doing that, like, I'm fine with silliness, but like, it's maybe curb it for that just a little bit. Yeah. Which, yeah. So we'll see. But yeah, I dug it, though. They should bring in Michael Bay to direct it. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I disagree there. Oh, the one scene I did want to talk about. There's a scene where they go to the Shadow Realm uh-huh. to fight Gore, which is like he's at his most powerful when he's in the Shadow Realm. Um, there's a really cool scene where it's all in black and white, but yes. anything that the light, uh, like they light up the thunder or if they light up their hammers. Or, or if they... If, if they clash weapons or whatever sparks fly yeah anything that light comes out of or reflects upon turns to color and it's a really cool scene visually to watch it is pretty lightning going everywhere and it kind of lights up the screen only a little bit but it's all in darkness and black and white really like visually interesting to watch and they they do a really subtle thing to where like the more that they fight the more color is introduced and so it starts off as this really i mean almost like literally black and white yeah. sort of sort of scene and then the more they fight you get more color introduced and so you're seeing more and more of it in the background but only for like the briefest of yeah. glimpses uh it's it's pretty pretty genius in terms of cinematography in the sense that they've been quietly dressing the all the characters i mean this movie takes Every you know how they got the purple bag of Skittles and the hard to find light blue pack of Skittles, which oh, you that's see those, deep cuts. Buy them for me. 
But they take all the bags and all the different flavors and they're throwing it at the wall. So it's super colorful. Right. And the fact that they, they did all that, so those colors really do pop and you yes. notice it in yes. that scene because yes. it's really subtle but also kind of in your face at the same time. Would you say that you taste the rainbow? You do taste the rainbow. <laughs> you see what I was going for. Yeah. You do taste the rainbow in that scene. So, uh, yeah. So I, I give it some... Uh, some points for that for originality. I didn't walk away like, oh, that was a dog shit movie, but... No, no, no. I, For all its faults, and, and like I said, is, is I wish it had taken certain parts more seriously, but it is a really, really fun romp. Like, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's entertaining as shit, and at the very least, you can just shovel popcorn into your mouth and just be transported away for yeah. like... I think it's only caps out at like two hours About or two something. two hours flat, yeah. So you're in and out, you're done. It, it's fun, you know? Yeah. They, uh, they definitely drop guns and roses a lot it's like there's they only paid for one album or like three songs and it's guns and roses and they yeah. play that shit a lot you're like all right i get it i gotta overdo it a little bit but i mean i'm not gonna complain because i love guns and roses so yeah. michael's like appetite for destruction <laughs> that was from the sp- the spaghetti incident oh lord that's from use your illusion that was a great album oh lord <laughs> um but yeah no i dug it though man anything else you want to talk about on that one or I feel like there was something else I want to talk about, but I can't remember it now. Uh, doggy style? No, no. It sounds like <laughs> it sounds like we're about out of Cavassier here. Um, I guess we'll come back soon. We'll talk a little bit of Miss Marvel as I'm wrapping that up. I'm a little bit behind. Cool. That we'll set that up for next time. Yeah. yeah. I, I re- I'll tell you this much. I really liked the first episode. Good. The, the good. director I thought knocked it out of the park with all the visual flares and stuff. It seems like they're not doing that by episode three, but it. It kind of comes and goes. It's 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 very visually dynamic, but it is very different from episode to episode. Yeah, uh, which not necessarily a bad thing. Just it takes a little bit of getting used to, yeah. and it maybe not. I, I I can't decide whether or not it works for their benefit or detriment. Yeah. But episode whatever. one as a standalone was was blast. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah, like yeah. The, the stylistic choices that they did. How everything's kind of like imagination and kind of playing into it and. Uh, kind of cuts away and there's graffitis on walls that's not really there and stuff so um other than that though uh we'll talk about that later we'll get more into that we'll check up with you guys in a week sure. or two and oh real quick plug. before we forget let's plug 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 so once again you guys can reach us at what you've been watching podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear from you if you have show suggestions movies you want us to review any kind of you know mailbag feedback um We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can also reach us at facebook.com slash Dudley Bros Podcast. Uh, you can search What You've Been Watching. What You've Been Watching on Facebook. That's probably going to be the most direct way to reach us because we see the notifications pretty much right away and, and we can respond in time. Uh, other than that, man. Uh, oh, shout out to Kesta. Oh. Thank you to Kesta. Intro music. Intro music. Keeping it. Solid on the ones and twos, as always. You can look them up. Uh, the song we use is called Always Bright. So thank you to Casta for supplying us with the tunage. We were going through trying to figure out what the... Because uh, there's a database you can use, like, stuff like that for, for the low or the free. Um, right. And so we were going through and we are like, ah, it's a possibility, yeah, possibility, possibility. And eh, no, 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 no. A lot of no's. A lot of, oh, well. And we heard that one. And we are like... Star that one? And then we went for like another 10, 15 more and we're like... Kind of came back to it, talked about some other stuff. Yeah, Yeah, it was the one one. that we kept coming back to. We both both perked up about 5, 10 seconds in. We're like, possibly. Right. right. So, So, 
Yeah, shout out. So, um, yeah. Until then, go see a movie. And uh, talk about it with somebody you love, brother. That's right. Love and thunder. Till next time. Peace.